Scripture reading comes to us from the Gospel account of St. Luke, the 12th chapter, beginning in the 13th verse. Hear now the word of the Lord. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who sent me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. At first glance, it appears as though Jesus is giving us a warning against possessions, right? I mean, that's the way this is normally talked about, at least what I've heard it. Uh, I've heard some wonderful sermons on this, and it talks about not being in love with possessions or wealth, but remembering and being in love with God. And that's true, but there's more to it than that. That's just, that barely skims the surface. We've interrupted Jesus. We've got to go back and start at the beginning of the 12th chapter and read all the way through the end of the 12th chapter to really get what's going on. Now, if, if you are a teacher, whether elementary, middle, high school, or if you're a Sunday school teacher, or if you've ever led a Bible study, or if you have ever had to do a training of any kind, or lead a discussion, or choir practice, Whatever it is, I guarantee you, you have been in the exact same situation that Jesus is in in the moment of this passage. Because if you have ever been teaching on something, explaining something, trying to go over something with with a group of people, and all of a sudden somebody asks a question that has absolutely nothing to do with what you're talking about, then you know exactly where Jesus is in this moment. You doubt what I'm saying? Go back and check me. Go start in in, in Luke chapter 12. Jesus is teaching the disciples and the crowd about what it means to stand against persecution. He's teaching them about what it means to hold fast to faith. To not allow themselves to be carried along by whatever the whims of those around them, but to trust God in all things. And in the midst of him making this point, some joker comes up and goes, Hey, Jesus, would you tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me? Jesus looks at him and says, Friend, I'm not sure if Jesus was thinking some other word there besides friend. But he said, friend, who sent me to be a judge over you? And he uses it as a moment to bring the big picture into practical everyday life. I mean, because let's face it, it's one thing for us to sing about loving Jesus and loving God and having faith. 
Every hymn that we have ever sung, every praise chorus that has ever been written, every anthem that has ever been composed addresses in some way, shape, form, or fashion loving God, trusting in faith and grace. I can't tell you how many times I have heard songs said, are we willing to die for Christ? And then it dawned on me, dying for Christ is easy. There's nothing to it. You only have to do that one time. But living for Christ, oh, now that's a whole nother ball game. 365 days a year, every day, for as long as we live until God calls us home. That's a different, oh, that's a different way of looking at it. It's one thing to talk about how much we trust God in, in the big picture, but what about in everyday life? You see, the issue for the unnamed rich fool in the parable isn't that he's rich. That's not what Jesus is getting on them about. The issue is that all the plans that he made and all the abundance that he's enjoying, he forgot where God was in the midst of it. He never accounted for God and searched where God was leading or what God would have him do. He forgot that undoubtedly since he's harvesting grain, he's a farmer. That the abundance was not only because of his hard work. Because yes, he could plant the seed, but he couldn't make it grow. He couldn't make it rain when it needed to rain, but not so much that it flooded. He couldn't cause the sun to shine. He forgot that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And he forgot that every plan that he made is subject to the will of God. Which is the reason why in the parable Jesus says that it said to him, You fool, you didn't realize that your life would be demanded of you tonight. And all these things that you spent so long planning for and bragging about. Who will they, who's will they become the irony is not lost on me today that the sermon that I am preaching on is about seeking where God's plan is in the midst of our own plans after we've already made them after a week where there was a couple of unexpected things that's happened to me in fact I don't know some folks have called me a trooper and some folks have called me foolish We'll see how this goes for the rest of the time. It's not a sin to want to have a good life. It's not a sin to live in a nice home or drive a nice car or to seek to better yourself. But where it becomes sinful is when that becomes the driving purpose of life. When we measure ourselves by our bank accounts or by our titles. Most folks, I think, have an I love me section of their life. You know what I'm talking about. Whether it's an I love me wall or an I love me scrapbook or an I love me curio case. You know, the things that have all the framed diplomas and, and the, the awards and the accolades. Something that we can look at and say, see, this is how good I am. Mine's in my office. <laughs> I want y'all to know it when you walk in. 
give me a minute. Oh, it's a bad cycle. We all have that, and it's human nature to do that. And it's human nature to want to, to achieve more. And the heart of that is not wrong. But when we do it without asking God, God, what is your will for my life? God, where are you leading? Where are you guiding? God, what brings honor and glory to your name? When we forget from whom all blessings flow. That's where the struggle comes in. If we kept reading in, in the 12th chapter, we would see that after Jesus tells this parable about the rich, rich fool, he then tells his disciples, those who have gathered around, so don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. Doesn't God care for the birds of the sky? Do you see them wander, running around try to sow and gather? Or, or consider the lilies of the field. Has there anybody in the history of the world worn a gown so beautiful as a field in springtime? And if God will care so much about the birds of the air, or if God will care so much about the grass of a field that is here today and is tomorrow mowed down, then don't you think God cares more about you? You have little faith. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And you'll see that everything else will take care of itself. You know, today's got enough problems. There's no reason worrying about tomorrow with it as well. And when we put all of chapter 12 together, we get that Jesus is not telling us, oh, you should never plan or you should never have a doubt or you should never uh, want to prepare for anything. But what Jesus is saying is, is, where is God in the midst of it? If you can trust God for your eternity, can you not trust him for your Monday? If we can trust God when we are faced with a crisis with which we know we stand powerless against, can we not trust God when everything's going okay as well? Honestly, do we really seek first God's will and direction in all things? Or do we fall into the trap of sitting down and making our own plans and getting our schedule out and know what we want to do and then run to God and say, God, I've got it all figured out. Would you bless it for me? I do. I'll admit I had, oh, my, this past weekend was going to be great. It wasn't, but. <laughs> we have that habit. Everything finds its proper place when we yield our lives, our whole lives. Not just our souls, not just our eternity, not just the things that we know we have no control over. When we yield our whole lives to Christ, everything finds its place. And I just have a feeling that if we can trust God to take care of the birds of the air, and if we can trust in Christ for our eternal salvation, more than likely, He's got this next week with us as well.
what is truly rich? What is the greatest riches? It's not the accolades or the bank account or the lake house or the car. It's not the respect that folks give to us because of title or position or knowledge. The greatest riches, those are the ones that come from knowing that you are a child of the king. And on our best days and our worst days and every day in between, our God's got us. Hello, my name is Kevin Payne and I'm the senior pastor here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining with us in our podcast of our worship celebration, the sermon this past week. I pray that you found it a blessing and that it enriched your life. If you are ever in our area and would like to join with us in person, we are located at 733 Valley Street here in Hoover, Alabama. Our service time is 10 a.m. and we would love to meet you. I pray you have a blessed week and hope to see you soon. Bye now.